installment of the Rufus Round. I think we're at season five, episode nine, uh, for this one. We still we're still keeping them rolling. Um, have yet to get Ryan Quinlan on. I had promised that for a while now. I've actually I don't think I've ever had a situation with this where it's been so hard to actually find time to get a guest on uh, with the way our schedules are this bad. But Wednesday, I think Wednesday's looking like the day um, where we're going to be able to record, and I'll probably have that up by Friday. Um, we've got a couple of things on this episode. Uh, i got the Kyrie Irving trade, obviously, which is not yet finalized, but still worth the discussion depending on how that plays out. Um, the Ja Morant story, which is very strange. Uh, LeBron James wanting to be normal because he's about to break the all-time scoring record in the NBA. Like, he wants to be normal. Strange. Um, Jesse Marsh being fired by Leeds United. And then obviously, I want to talk about the NFL a little bit. Uh, the Pro Bowl was just an absolute disaster. And then uh, I do want to touch on the Super Bowl a little bit. I do want to totally preview the Super Bowl like in its own right um, as the week comes to a close. Um, as we go towards Super Bowl Sunday. Because um, how about the Pro Bowl? It's just bad, man. Uh, but uh, also I do want to talk about how it is Black History Month. And that we have two black quarterbacks facing off in the Super Bowl for the first time. Um, and it's pretty, pretty cool. Uh, but without further ado, uh, this episode is brought to you by Know Yourself Clothing as well as 508 Performance Strength and Conditioning, a new gym coming to you in the south coast of Massachusetts. Um, thank those guys for um, you know all, all that they do for me. And I'd like to show a little love back to them by throwing them up there on the banner. Uh, the CEO and founder of Know Yourself, Israel Fatada. He will. He has been a guest. He will be a guest again. That will be soon enough. I'm just really need to get Quinlan on. And the same with Jared Antill at 508 Performance Strength and Conditioning. But anyways, let's get into... The Kyrie Irving trade. So Kyrie Irving was traded from the Brooklyn Nets to the Dallas Mavericks after he uh, requested a trade, uh, considering he the, the contract negotiation talks did not go uh, the way that he wanted to, and he put out a lot of subliminal tweets on his Twitter as Kyrie does. Um, and there were, you know, a couple, obviously the Lakers were a team that were involved in the discussions. LeBron was, uh, LeBron's upset, uh, that they couldn't get a player like Kyrie, a guy that he's played with, uh, the only guy that, you know, that Kyrie's ever won with is LeBron. Um, the full details of the trade as it is, because it's yet to be finalized. Um, there's, like, you know, the Nets are still looking to add a third team, which, you know, in reality, when I see the Nets trying to add a third team, I, I take it as, you know, Kevin Durant's like, whoa. Oh, okay. I said, oh, Harden's gone. Um, I've tried to leave. You didn't let that happen. Um, and then Kyrie's now gone. Like, hold on. What are we doing? We're, 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 you know, fourth in the East. What are we doing? Like, I, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, we need to give him back more than the return, which was Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2027 first-round pick, a 2027 second-round pick, and a 2029 second-round pick. Uh, high schoolers will be, you know, be able to just declare straight to the lead by that. So the second round picks actually equate to a little more value um, at that point. But that's just, you know, so far into the future. Um, you know, the, the reality is for the Nets is that you might have to sell off Kevin Durant now. or But then again, Cam Thomas is out here dropping 40-something a game. And it looks like, you know, you kind of freed Cam Thomas up. Uh, and he's doing his damn thing. Uh, so, so is you know, what does the future hold for the Brooklyn Nets? Uh, Fred Van Vliet has been a name thrown around. Uh, they're trying to work that third team in to, you know, to get him in there. A, you know, very strong shooting guard, guard type player. Uh, guy can play some defense, three and D. Um, they're looking 
see if they can add him. That's been the conversation. Um, but again, if you're, if you're KD, you, know, you wanted to leave. They moved this guy first, and now you're, you're stuck here on your lonesome to carry the load here. I still think the Nets are a talented team, but you know, obviously the, the dream was James Harden. The dream was Kyrie Irving, and the dream was Kevin Durant. That was the big three. And this is the second time now that Brooklyn has failed to have any success with their their big three. So it, it, and it's tough. It's just tough to watch for, for, for that team. Um, they, again, the whole Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and then basically helping build the Celtics team now. And then again, they had opportunities here that they have done nothing but uh, squander away just with just some poor characters uh, coming to the building and just, you know, this toxic situation. I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, Kevin Durant's a true leader. Um, and I don't think Kyrie Irving uh, is easy to work with by any means. Um, the talent was there, but just uh, it's not easy. It just didn't get along, clearly. Um, and again, what does it mean for KD? Uh, there's some reports out there. Uh, the Celtics have made some phone calls. Stephen A. Smith reported that the Celtics uh, have made some phone calls in regards to Kevin Durant and maybe swinging Jalen Brown for him, which I think if you're the Celtics would be a huge, huge mistake. Uh, Jason Tatum is not a killer. Uh, Kevin Durant is a fantastic player. But he's up there in age. He is now more injury-prone than anything considering some of the injuries he's been through, especially with the Achilles uh, being a big one. And that calf continues to bother him now because his movement patterns are flawed. But I don't. I, I think that would totally change the leadership dynamic um, in your locker. And I don't think KD's a leader. I don't think Jason Tatum is a true leader. I, don't th- I think you would just – I think Jalen Brown's more of a leader than both of those guys. So you'd be losing a leader in the locker room for not that much of a change on paper considering what you're going to have to give up for Kevin Durant. So I, I don't I don't see that being the move for the Boston Celtics. The Suns inquired um, about KD, I believe, as well, and still might be in talks to try and you know swing a deal for him. I think the Nets are more or less trying to you know, bring a player in to help KD because KD obviously isn't going to want to stay if it's just just him and Spencer Dinwiddie and was it Nick Nick Claxton <laughs> and. Um, well, Cam Thomas is going off now, too. Uh, freeing him is a pretty cool deal because he's been dropping 40-something points. Ain't shit, you know, when he said ain't shit funny, there's nothing I'm related to more. Hey, how, Cam, how come you never smile anymore, even when you're playing well? Ain't shit funny. Totally agree, man. Ain't nothing funny. He's just stoic. Just stoic. Uh, but it's cool to see him succeeding, and I hope that that's continued. And and I think that if you're looking at something like that, it's a way to kind of say, hey, Kevin, you got this guy. We're going to, you know, we have other pieces coming in, and we're going to figure this out. And we're already in the middle of the dance for the East. And we're better off without Kyrie being here. It's better for our locker room. It's better for us. Now you look at the other side of the situation. How does it work out with Luka Doncic? Uh, that might be, between him and Luka, the, one of the worst, if not the worst, defensive backcourt in the league. But it also is probably the most talented backcourt in the NBA. There is not a, there's not a more talented backcourt in the NBA. Even Clay and Steph, like Luca and Kyrie Irving, in terms of their creativity, their scoring ability, like that is just based off of pure talent. That is the backcourt duo to beat. How does it work though? Because the usage rates are very high. Like, listen, those two are going to get their touches. It's just nobody else will. Christian Wood's a good third piece. Uh, there's better third pieces out there. Uh, not, the 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 surrounding depth is not really there for this Mavs team. Um, it really depends on how 
you know, Luka and Kyrie, you know, relate because they're incredibly talented. They're already in the playoff standings as it is right now with Luka alone. Uh, this certainly, you know, lightens the load for Luka. But the reality becomes, can they coexist considering how much both of them need the ball? Uh, how are they going to figure that out? How are the egos going to play on? That's really uh, going to be the huge thing, you know, how Jason Kidd deals with that. That's going to be, that's the big question mark there. Um, again, I'm excited to watch. I don't really see how it's going to go. I mean, Kyrie's pretty much destroyed every team he's been on or just demanded to leave or hasn't really fit in. So I don't see why this is going to be any different. Uh, but it is an interesting dynamic to, to, you know, work with. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I would see Luca as more of the dominant ball handler playing, you know, to Kyrie off the ball. But you know, there's just like I said, they can pro- they can do a lot of stuff, and they're gonna and they're gonna have to change things up a lot. Uh, and the defense is an issue too. Your rotational role players are certainly gonna have to step into the fray um, and step up the defense in terms of the guard positioning. I mean, Luca, you can kind of switch around because of his size. You can kind of switch them off to different guys and have better defenders playing the guard position. But Kyrie, they tend to go after. Uh, but he isn't. You know, he's not. A complete liability, but still not a solid defender. And we'll see, you know, where the defensive effort is um, for them as well. But again, I, I think I'm, I'm super excited to see how it does play out. It's a risky decision for Dallas because the reality is, is that if it doesn't work out, Luca Luca has not exactly been incredibly happy there. Um, that's a guy who could ask out. Um, Kyrie very easily could, you know just blow up and do what Kyrie's been doing. And that could, you know, send him and Luca on the way out and they split. And now you're left with nothing. And it very well could happen fast. It could happen this year. Uh, But at the same time, you have, you know, unlimited talent in your backcourt and you should be able to maybe not win a title, but certainly make a run back to the, you know, Western conference finals. So, Again, strange, strange for me uh, in a way. Like I, the, the Mavs, the first team I thought of, but then I thought like how much defense that they would actually lack, which is what kind of turned me off from it. Um, and again, it's still that's still a reality, and I and I'm really not sure if this works out, and even if it does work out, what how how much can you? I this this I don't think this puts this, them into a championship bubble. You know, I don't think this makes them a championship contender. So, again, it's it's a risky move to not make them a championship contender. But Luca obviously needs help. He needs that load taken off, and I, you know, there's just few more talented players in the league than Kyrie Irving. A matter of you know getting this upstairs figured out uh, and getting the egos and the system to work with the two of them. That's a challenge. But if that's a challenge, they, that's obviously a challenge they're willing to to bring on because. Um, the the obviously the potential for what can come of this move is worth that risk for them and i'm interested to see how it goes so the the next thing in the nba coming up we got the jean morant incident which is just it it's absolutely wild to me what is going on and it was with the indiana pacers you know malice in the palace what are we there's something here in indiana i guess uh the whole reggie miller the next thing uh, that rivalry. Anyways, uh, it's involving spectators and players. And the, the, According to a report from Bob Kravitz and Sam Amick of The Athletic, there was an incident involving associates of the All-Star guard, John Moran, and John Moran himself, and members of the Pacers traveling party and staff. And now the NBA is investigating it. 
Um, so, so what's the deal? What are they investigating? Um, it occurred on January 29th. The, 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 the Pacers visited the Grizzlies you know, the, at the FedEx Forum in Memphis. Uh, and it began during the game when Morant's father, T, and friend, Devontae Peck, um, engaged in a verbal back and forth with a number of Pacers players. Morant's friend was ultimately escorted off the court, removed from the game. Uh, they got some clips on Twitter and stuff there. The Grizzlies would eventually win, but, you know, here's what the Athletic had to say. Following a game between the Indiana Pacers and uh, Memphis Grizzlies on January 29th in Memphis, acquaintances of Grizzlies star Ja Morant aggressively confronted members of the Pacers' traveling party near the team's bus in the loading area of the FedEx Forum, and later someone in a slow-moving SUV, which Morant was riding in, trained a lead, a, a red laser beam on them. Yes. I, yes, I said it. I read it. That's what the event is. So, Pacers staffers, they, you know, they spoke with the athletic and remained anonymous. And so they were under belief that the red laser was attached to a firearm, to a gun. And according to the account of the situation, there was a Pacers security guard that said, that's 100% a gun. No police report was filed. Um, the report indicates that the in lead up to the laser incident, Pack and the Pacers traveling party were engaged in a shouting match in the arena's loading area for 15 to 20 minutes. As Jean Morant and his associates exited the arena in separate vehicles, a laser was pointed in the direction of the, of the Pacers' traveling party. Uh, so the NBA has responded. NBA spokesperson Mike Bass uh, confirmed the league's investigation, uh, but not, could, could not corroborate anyone was threatened with a weapon. He added that certain individuals involved in the post-game situation and the related matter during the game that night have been subsequently banned from attending games in the arena, hinting that Pack would be banned from the FedEx Forum for his role in the incident. Um, of course, John Morant was opposed to it, said, did an investigation scene they were capping, uh, said, you know, they said they were lies from the Pacers people, uh, still let a, uh, still let uh, an article come out to paint this negative image on me and my fam and banned my brother, uh, from home games for a year. He, again, he doesn't, he just, he's upset. John Morant doesn't believe anything. I mean, is this this is the same guy that like threatens to like basically shoot somebody on on Twitter? So remember, it was in the Twitter beef, right? And someone said, "I got you a little upset, huh?" And then this is after they had lost to the Warriors, correct? Um, and he says, "Find something, uh, find something safe to do, little bro." And then uh, you know another you know another exchange of words was said. And he goes, it's free to see how hollows feel. Hollow points on Twitter. Eventually deleted it, but it's you know, obviously uh, digital footprint. We, we, we still saw it. Like, this is one of the most talented young players in the league. Uh, probably a future MVP and an all-star this year. What what are we doing? Like, is this, this I cannot believe that this is for real. We're, we're pointing guns at people. Uh, again, this is his father got involved. This is the Grizzlies team that got involved. This is very, very much similar to what the Jailblazers used to look like uh, in the early 2000s. But, like, what? So the father got involved with Shannon Sharp. The Grizzlies got involved with that. And then they dapped it up. They finished it up. Like, the Grizzlies just continued to have all these headlines the Dylan Brooks thing, the fights. Like, 
this here's the thing with youth is you have young guys and you can see the potential but then you also have events like this where it's like here is where some of the youthfulness and the lack of intelligent decision making and experience in life leads to just poor poor decisions i mean getting into a verbal beef while at your kid's basketball game and then proceeding to have your kid in the car and point guns at people uh if if that is to be true which you know the source that's coming from the athletic uh it's pretty strong belief that it is uh we'll see how the nba responds to what they can and can't prove that's the big thing what they're going to be able to prove that's just something what are we doing I cannot. I, I I didn't believe the headline at first. I was like, "They what?" Like they pointed. Like I, you know, you, it was just sketchy. And I'm like, they pointed that gun at people. They were gonna. They weren't. Gonna, I don't. Reality is, who, who knows if they were going to pull the trigger or not? You, you think with Ja on the car, it's a terrible idea. As in general, but like, if you're really gonna do something, like to have your kid in the car as an NBA player, like it just was really poor, poor decision making all around. And you know, just just Ja being there. Um, like, oh, he didn't do it. He, it wasn't him holding the gun. It wasn't him starting the, the beef on the sideline. Listen, the reality is if you're guilty by association at that point if you're in the vehicle. Um, the NBA just can't have guys rolling around pointing guns at people because they got pissed at him during the game. So, yeah, banning the guy from the arena, yeah, understandable. Um, this is a continued issue with Ja Morant. This is a continued issue with just the whole character of the Memphis Grizzlies. It just, it just continues to be a headache for a kid who's super talented, um, and I really haven't been able to figure it out yet, but that's a real story. They were, they were pointing guns at people that they got into an altercation with. Um, didn't Couldn't understand that. Couldn't understand that. I think it's just wild. It's mind-blowing. Like, I was just speechless. I was like, they what? Like, I, it, it had to, it was a real thing. It, it happened. We have to, I had to address it. Like, I just, I, I just couldn't believe it. Um, but now we sit here talking about it. And again, like, Jaws obviously going to deny, deny, deny. Uh, but this is, you know, a continued character um, flaw of Jean Moran. It's a continued asterisk around his name. It's it's continued, you know, dirt being thrown in his name for, for these situations um, that continue to pop up, whether we've seen his father or him, this Grizzlies team, you know, threatening the, the hollows, which is bullets, threatening the shit, and then obviously pointing a gun at people. Like, there there's, there's some red flags going off here. Um, and someone better, you know, talk to the kid before, you know, really poor decisions are made that affect lives, including his, uh, because it doesn't seem like he's learning. Uh, it almost, it seems like it's getting worse, like it is snowballing and getting worse. So someone's got to sit Ja down and really talk about what he, he wants out of his NBA career, because this is not the way, if it turns out to be true. Um, I'm more on the side of this did actually happen because in the athletic but how deep it actually goes, I'm not sure. But again, the continued altercations and that headache is not needed. This is a young team needs to focus on ball and, and, and play high-level basketball because they have a kid like Ja, who is a fantastic talent. But these distractions are not good for anybody in, involved in the NBA as a whole. And, and that's where I stand on it. So we're sticking with the NBA here. Uh, this is the last NBA take that I have. And, and it's the LeBron James wants to be normal one. This was just another head-scratcher for me. You know, LeBron out there being quoted as saying, There are times when I wish I could do normal things. I wish I could go to Target sometimes and walk into Starbucks and have my name on the cup just like regular people. What? 
I, I get that you have been the face of basketball. You have been the savant, the savior since you were in high school. You came out of high school. You've had this pressure on you. But don't you think he brings some of it on himself? You know, acting the way that he did after the non-call against the Celtics is just one example. Going out there and speaking politically, saying, I have a platform. You know, people telling him to shut up and dribble and then him saying, like, that's like, no, that's outrageous. But then now that he now he wants to be normal. So it, it's 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 unex- I mean, listen, the shut up and dribble thing's a bad look. But someone tells you to shut up and dribble, and your immediate response is, hey, I have a responsibility, I have a platform, I must speak on these things. But now you want to be normal when it's convenient for you. So you can say all that and do all that, but when you want to be when you want it to just be, you know, you just want to be you, it's convenient for you to listen. You 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 were correct in saying that you have a platform, you have a place to speak. You don't you don't have to speak on things, but you do have a place in the you're about to be the all time leading scorer in the NBA and you want to be normal now. You're about to break this record and you're going on record saying you want to be normal. You've been outspoken for your for for the majority of your thirty years and your thirty year old years and on. You made the decision. You did this whole TV production to decide when you were gonna go in free agency, and now you want to just go to Starbucks and be normal. I get it. Like I don't. I do get what he is saying, but there are way too many other things that he has done throughout his career that is just not. It doesn't support that, you know. There's 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 a lot of stuff that he could have avoided, and yet he brings a lot of this on. And now he just wants to be normal. He's outspoken with everything politically. He's outspoken with calls, referees, the NBA. Like he's he makes the decision. And he continues to be upset about him them get, not getting Kyrie Irving. I need help, but now you just want to live the normal life. You're about to break the NBA's all-time scoring record, be one of the greatest players to ever live. But yeah, you just want to be normal. I get it. Like I, I get that these athletes probably just want to just, just, just do their thing. But there's probably a lot of superstars that do, and don't bring this this attention on. I don't think a guy like the LeBron could. But then again, like you know, like the, and they picked apart MJ to try and figure out his thing to get on him. It just it comes it comes with being a part of the business, but and I and, and I feel for the people who don't want the attention, who truthfully don't. He's trying to play it off like this is what he really wants, but he goes out there and runs his mouth one way or the other, talking about whatever. But now that it's convenient to him, he wants it to be normal. I, like I get it, but you can't you can't have it both ways. You can't speak on having this platform and owing it to people and having to do what you have to do and then be like yeah no you know i actually kind of wish it was normal like no you like if you're saying you have a right and you have a platform and you do have a right to speak on things which i think you i think professional athletes do they shouldn't force their views down people's throats but they do have a position and a platform to support certain movements and certain things and I don't think you should brainwash people in a sense. I don't think you should play the sides. But in a reality, I think you do have a position and a unique position to raise awareness, to inspire people to be better, to do better, to do you know, things that you've done. You do have a unique position. And no, maybe you didn't ask for that, but it's a product of who you are as a as an athlete and how dedicated you are and how talented you are. And it gives you the ability to be bigger than that. And I think you should take full advantage of it. And, and I think a lot of guys do. 
in a way. And they don't you don't have to take sides to do it, but you can inspire change and inspire people in different shapes and forms. But now that you dance, you know, too close to one side and then you you catch the heat coming back, now you just want it to be normal. Again, I'm again, this is the quote might be taken totally out of context what he was saying. I do get that some athletes probably just want to walk into a Starbucks every once in a while to get their coffee and leave. They probably run into you know, a bunch of people like, oh my, LeBron James. Like, I do understand that. But you are correct in saying that. And when, when he did say it, I have a platform and I have a right, and it, you do. You're supposed to. I disagree in the way that he does it and maybe what he speaks on. But these ta- super talented athletes totally have a responsibility to stand on a platform and to inspire and not only to inspire but to to create a certain example for generations to come 100% people looking up to them and they have a right to uphold and and, and again they don't have to live perfect perfect lives but there is a way that they have to carry themselves in it. but it is a blessing it is a blessing and a curse but i think there's more power to it than I think there's more of a positive power to it than he has used it as. So that's why for me to hear that he wants it, you know, he just wants to be normal walking to a Starbucks. Like I get it at the same time. But I don't feel sympathy because he's brought a lot of the stuff that he deals with that he dislikes onto him by saying what he says, doing it in the manner in which he does it in the in the way that he has. You know, with the shows and everything that he has and the way that he goes about it and says things. I think that he does bring a lot of it on himself, a lot of the negative energy onto himself. And that's just reality. Um, I, I, if you could, if he could do it in more, there's a lot of more of positive ways that he'd speak on himself and do things. And again, again mistakes are going to be made. You know, people can be misquoted and misspoken and bring different energies around. I get it. But there are w- different ways in which he can handle this, which I don't think that maybe he, didn't, he wouldn't want to be normal. You know, in the sense where it's like it'd be easier to be normal because you're not so polarizing. But when you're that good, I guess you can be even outright. And that's what he's dealing with. But again, I don't feel so bad because I do feel like a lot of the ener- the negative energy that he brings himself in this sense, but he just wants to be normal. I think he's brought it on himself. And I don't feel that bad. Next up, before I get into, you know, some NFL thoughts on this one that isn't, you know, totally to the Super Bowl. Yet, like I said, Super Bowl is going to get its own its own production. Jesse Marsh. Well, we're, hey, we're talking football. We're talking for international football. Jesse Marsh. Um... Is obviously a U.S. international coach, and he was let go by Leeds United of, of the Premier League. Uh, they have they struggled. Uh, they 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 struggled mightily ever since he kept them up in the league. Uh, but I think this opens the door for the U.S. national team. You know they were winless the last seven Premier League matches. They're seventeenth in the league. The level one points with Everton, who are in the relegations, are they both have 18 points. Um, he struggled with Leipzig, which sent him to Leeds once he struck, once he got let go from Leipzig. But he was very, very good with Salzburg, and he worked under Julian Nagelsmann, who is a fantastic manager for Bayern and was a fantastic manager for Leipzig. So he understands Nagelsmann's, Nagelsmann's system. He has not had the success since he left Salzburg in these bigger leagues. It's unfortunate. But... He commands so much respect from the U.S. players, the U.S. players that he's pulling into Leeds. And this guy, Erling Holland, had all of his success under. It was Jesse Marsh. So 
there there are some very very talented guys that have played under Jesse Marsh, and he commands a lot of respect from them. And the U.S., you know, amid all this controversy with Greg Berhalter, like this is a guy they need to capitalize on. I think this is a guy they can wrap their arms around and they can put some trust in. I think the players would play for him. I think the players trust him. I I think it'd be a huge miss to not. I mean, people say, does he deserve it? He has struggled his last couple jobs, but you see what he's able to do with Holland and Salzburg. Like, nah, this is this is a guy who I think deserves the chance to be a manager of the U.S. national team. I think guy a guy that people have confidence in, a guy that can play a brand of football. Uh, that is a little more vibrant, a little more exciting, and can compete with these much bigger countries with his pressing style. Um, I, I I do believe that he's creative enough to you know he's seen he's been allowed in these bigger leagues more so than any of the other candidates for this U.S. team um, that would allow them to compete against these bigger countries in these bigger games. He would be more adaptable. His tactics, he's seen more been around some of these bigger name players much much more and seen them play more so i think all of that factors into why i think that jesse mars should be the next man in charge he is nationally and they should definitely make a move for him um it almost seems like it's too easy of a decision and again it's not perfect you know he has struggled with these last couple jobs so it's not a perfect decision to make you know it's not a slam dunk but still personally for me i've for a long time been waiting for the u.s nationally to have the opportunity to sign jesse marsh and i was hoping it'd be um, you know, soon, at, soon before this World Cup coming up, that's going to be in the U.S. And, and I could think of no one better to to take on the responsibility than Jesse Marsh for the U.S. national team. Uh, again, like not everybody's be a huge fan, but at the end of the day, like please give me someone else. Please give me a better option than Jesse Marsh right now. I I, I don't think you're going to find one. Uh, call in. Let me know. Hit the call line. Hit the text line. Let me know. I I don't think. You're going to find anyone, a better candidate um, with some track records and some really good players the clubs that he's been at. Again, hasn't had success in the last two jobs, but you know they weren't ideal situations. Anyways, he kept leads up. Struggled with Leipzig after not making it out of the Champions League um, group stages. and It was not a pretty picture there, you know, filling in behind Nagelsmann, but I still have a lot of confidence in Marsh and being able to be in an adaptable system and, you know, really providing tactics that will allow us to compete with these huge countries and these soccer capitals of the world. Next up, I want to talk about, well, I mean, I didn't watch the Pro Bowl. I, I held true with uh, my boycott of the Pro Bowl. I did not watch it. But again, like, nobody was a fan of it. I mean, I heard somebody say it was glorified flag football. Like, no, 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 no. I think you were misinformed. You're misinformed. It's not glorified flag, flag football where they just weren't tackling the year before. No, no, no. You're misinformed. You didn't watch it. When you saw flag football, you thought that's what they were kidding about. Like, oh, it's glorified flag flag football. No, no, no. This time it was just straight flag. Miles Garrett dislocated his toe. They're doing all these skill comps. Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr, Trevor Lawrence are your, your Pro Bowl quarterbacks in the AFC. Like, what? Jo- Josh Jacobs is quoted as saying, this shit is stupid and it is what are we doing make it like a let them go celebrate make it like a concert 
like you know film them while they're around let them like pay for a vacation for them and let them all be around each other make it a reality tv show for a week or just give like them people unlimited access to them for like the super bowl week as well but like stop playing these games because like there's just no need for any of it no one's committed to it you're you're devaluing what a pro bowl nomination means like there's guys in the Hall of Fame where they say I have so many Pro Bowl appearances. It doesn't matter anymore. Look at what this look at what it's become. Like, where is Sean Taylor where are the Sean Taylors who were lighting up punters? Like punters running fake punts and then getting decapitated by Sean Taylor. Where I no one wants it anymore because no one wants to get hurt. These are franchise players. These are you know their lives at stake. I'd love to see it too. Like, you know, Pro Bowl legitimately being played, but like the re- the reality is the risk is not worth it. There's no reward there. Maybe you start putting money out there. Winner take all, hundred million dollars or something like the winning team. Like if you, if there has you, if you're gonna play these games, and not flag, I'm saying like full on football. No one wants to see flag. Like you have to, there has to, you have to up the incentive or drop it completely. No one's doing this just for fun. There has to be a monetary incentive, and a good one, to get passion out of these guys. Because what we're seeing now is just disgusting. It's just, just no, it's a waste of time. I like the interactions of the players. I like getting to see the players in a different light. But there are ways that you can express that without putting on display what they did. I, again, I didn't watch that boycott, but no one liked it. No one was a fan of it. Everybody was frustrated with it. Like, what are we doing? We're just totally devaluing what a Pro Bowl means. Just give them the votes. Give them the nods and put it on the resume, but don't play anything. Don't do anything. Give them a banquet, an award ceremony, whatever you do. But no, I'm, I'm done watching this. Or you up the you up the value. And what you're offering them, there has to be some sort of value that they're they're working towards. Millions of dollars, like winner take millions. If you're a member of the winning team, you make whatever x amount of money per like a million per person, two million. You'll see it. You have to influence this change somehow. But how it's going right now is not it. It's flat out not it. I don't think the teams will like them paying the players to do it because I think that gets tricky because, again, they stay, they're, they're, their contracts and what they're worth more to their teams and it's that couple million they'd be playing for in that game. In which case, just stop playing the games in as a whole. No one's watching this. No one wants to see this. People are grossed out by it. It's hurting your game more than helping it. Just give them the nominations. Give them a little awards banquet if you want. Put them on TV. Give people access to interview them and talk about their season. Make content out of it galore. But stop the games. Stop Stop this. Stop it. Just find a way to media market the week leading into the Super Bowl any other way than what they just did this time around and what they did without when people weren't tackling. Or influence them with like millions of dollars per you know incentive. You have to incentivize it, and if that's frowned upon, you just cut it completely, because people cannot go on watching this. It's gross, and it's hurt. It hurts the game. It hurts the NFL's brand by putting the stuff on display that they did, and then I getting hurt too. Even even this way, still getting hurt. Dislocating his toe. I mean, all of these non-contact injuries are still possible. ACLs, Achilles is all still very possible. Just cut it completely. 
He's kind of completely up the incentive. The only two ways the NFL can go uh, with the Pro Bowl week or Pro Bowl weekend. That's it. It's the only way they can do it. Another thing that I saw that was cool, like football related this week, before I dig into, like, like I said, the entire uh, Super Bowl, we'll have a lot of, you know, to dig into, you know, throughout, you know, the media week. It allows me to actually, you know, talk about a guest that I want to bring on this month. So, Robert Griffin III tweeted out, the narrative of absent black fathers is constantly pushed in the media. Looking forward to all the Super Bowl week deep dives into the upbringing of Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes who had present fathers. Do the right thing and talk about Avrion Hurts and Patrick Mahomes Sr. I think this is totally cool. I think you have two very impressive young men that, you know, have really created great careers for themselves. Jalen Hurts, you know, benched in a, in a, in a national championship game, transfer schools. Um, you know, he's been through a lot. Patrick Mahomes uh, sits the whole first year. No one, you know, storms onto the scene. Really, really cool uh, storylines for both of them. And it is Black History Month. It's the first time that two black quarterbacks have ever started against each other uh, in the Super Bowl. It, it really is, you know, part of this new generation, this new age. Uh, there's always been these stereotypes and stigmas about how you know black quarterbacks can't play quarterback, and it's about they, they don't they're not mentally capable. And there's always been these stereotypes and these stigmas. You know, for all these players, and that they have to overcome these stories. You know, you've seen the memes about ESPN about fathers dying, and you know how to grow up with this and that. And there's all this, this you know, overcoming the negatives, but no one ever actually appreciates you know the good values that helped create these players. And this is a perfect example of, you know, I'm sure there's, there's a lot of adversity they've overcame, but in terms of their family life and in terms of everything, like they they should be pretty. You know, a lot of these stereotypes have been beaten. Um, they are leaders of their teams. They were brought up very well, um, and they've been challenged with adversity on the football field. Um, but in reality, that you know, they've had great support systems along the way, and it has helped elevate them to this level, and I think it should be celebrated. Um, they should be celebrated as, as athletes. And I think it's a cool little segue into the fact that there's a lot more to talk about this week, and there'll be a lot more to talk about with those stories. I think we're going to learn a lot more about these two guys um, and like you said, those are the upbringing that they had and the relationships they have with their dads, which I think is very, very cool. Like Jalen Hurts' dad was uh, a coach, a high school coach, his high school coach, as a matter of fact. Patrick Mahomes' father obviously played in the major leagues. Um, they are very much around the game of football and around leaders. Uh, their dads being them, being that for them, um, showcasing leadership, um, obviously athleticism too. But, you know, they just... Being in those environments obviously, you know, had a mental effect on them that helped them grow into who they are now. Um, and I definitely think that's going to be something cool to look into throughout the week with the stories that you're going to hear. And cool, it's happened during Black History Month. And I'm glad I'm able to actually, you know, to, to witness it because you're two super talented guys that are going to be squaring off um, in a big game. And it should be a very, very entertaining game. Um, I'm also going to be bringing on uh, Pat Aiken. Pat Aiken's actually called in once. Uh, Pat Aiken was a former teammate of mine at Dean. Uh, my first year here, he graduated, um, and he's been sharing out a lot um, of different, you know, different history pieces each day on his Instagram story for Black History Month. So at some point for Black History Month, I'm going to bring on Pat to talk about a lot of African American athletes and what they mean to him. Um, athletic training as well too, because that's what he's trying to get into. His athletic training, um, you know. 
you know, you know, black athletic trainers in like, you know, historically, you know, how everything's gone through sports with black athletes for black history. It's going to be a really cool episode. Uh, when I, when I do put it together, I think it's going to, you know, just, just really be cool for me to, to, to speak about it, you know, throughout black history month to bring on Pat, who, who's well-educated in it. Um, and a good friend of mine. So I think it's going to be a really fun episode when we get it together. I think you guys are all going to enjoy it. Uh, but that's pretty much where, uh, I'm going to wrap this one up. Um, yeah, we, we're, 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 I got Ryan Quinlan coming on this week. We've got the Super Bowl coming up, and you'll we'll, we'll get into that. I'll make some picks with Quinlan in terms of what we think is going to happen with the Super Bowl, I think. Uh, if we're recording Wednesday, maybe we won't make, make, make the picks yet. Uh, we'll see who's active and inactive. Maybe we'll do some prop bets because um, Quinlan likes to make his picks as well. Me and him are you know, in touch about stuff like that. Um, Again, there's the number to call or text and you got any questions for Quinlan, you got any sports takes at all that you want me to touch upon, uh, please give me a call or text. And let me know what your thoughts are on this, what you think about what how, what's going to happen with Kyrie Irving, how that's going to go, uh, what were your thoughts on the Pro Bowl, You know, what were your Super Bowl thoughts, all of the above. Uh, you know, Call or text in 508-216-0858 is the number you see on your screen there. Uh, that's all the time I got for you guys today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. If you did like the video, please sure, be sure to like and subscribe. Drop a comment as well. Uh, and all the social medias and everything that you need to see that's up on the screen here and where to find me uh, is listed in the description below. So go check it out. Twitter, Instagram, all of the above. Uh, go find it. Go follow me because you're going to want to stay tuned because I've you know, been consistent. This is a promise I made to you that I'm finally coming through. The consistency has been huge. Um, and everything's came through, so we just I just continue to push out content more and more. Appreciate everybody and all the support. That's all the time I got for you guys today. It's your boy Rufus. Signing off. I feel elevated. Call the homies, it's a celebration. I need more space, I need meditation. Got a little time and a little patience. Goddamn. Fuck the season up, I'm tired of waiting. I was in my feelings, coming out the basement. You ain't giving chances, bitch. You gotta-